Joining us now on the Poke Sport Podcast is Oklahoma State basketball head coach Mike Boyne. I appreciate you taking some time out of your busy schedule to join us. Uh, no problem. Thank you guys for having me. Absolutely. Brian, I'll, uh, I'll be gracious enough. I'll let you – I'll give you the first question. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, I talked to him yesterday. Well, you guys old friends. That's true. <laughs> so, let, let's just – let's dive into the team. Let's just go quick preview. Let's start with, uh, start with the guards. I know that things are very fluid as far as who's a guard, who's a four. But let's start with the guards. Who – you're in, about to have practice number 12 – yeah. Um, who has who has shown up in practice and and maybe some who's kind of surprised you a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I think um, especially as it relates to our fans understanding you know, what we're talking about here, the the old guys are doing really really well. Uh, when I talk about the old guys, I'm talking to Avery Anderson and Bryce Thompson, guys who started a lot for us, played a lot. You know, Avery was just named preseason All Conference. I think he's right for a big year. Uh, he's prepared. He's been through the, the wars with us. And Bryce got a year under his belt, so he's had a. Re- they both have had a really, really good off season. Um, probably, I don't know about a surprise to me because I was hopeful that he was going to be really good. But the two guys we brought in uh, in the backcourt with experience, Caleb Asbury and John Michael Wright, are both guys that I think will have major, um, major roles on this team. Uh, and and I think he's a guard. But Keon Williams is one that you know probably is ahead of what what anybody thought he would be at this point. He's made quite an impression on everybody in the program. We've seen the, you know, we've seen the progression of Musa throughout the year and Bryce got better throughout the year. But I think for, at least for me going into the season, my two biggest question marks would be Quion, uh, Quion and, and then you look at John Michael. So when you, when you talk about those guys, you know, John Michael point guard, you look at, uh, you look at Q, you know, just kind of break those guys down and, and where they fit into things. Yeah, the intrigue with, with John Michael is he's a guy who's been a high-level producer from a scoring standpoint for his entire career. Uh, he's an 18-point career, you know, scorer, uh, right around 40% from three. Started a lot of games, played a lot of minutes, uh, and he's been a focal point of a team. And so now coming here and embracing a different role, albeit very important to, to kind of be more of a facilitator so that Avery Anderson and Bryce Thompson can be more finishers and, and scores for us is something that he's very capable of doing, uh, and he's embraced. Uh, he's coming with an incredible level of humility, understanding that that this uh, this is a great opportunity for him, uh, and he's embraced it head on. Keon Williams is one. You know, as a freshman, you try not to put too much on him unless their name's, name's Kay Cunningham, um, but he's adapted really, really well, partly because he's a phenomenal listener. Uh, he's taken everything our coaches have asked of him to do, and he's done it 100 miles an hour. And we'll get him to slow down, but you can't teach the heart and desire and, and competitiveness that he has. When you see Avery and he's playing at his best, do you see that Russell Westbrook type do it all? Um, you know, that that potential, is that what you see him being yeah, this year? There's a lot of that, the, the, the violent athleticism, uh, the ability to make plays that sometimes people think, well, how did he even get there? You know, he's – He's, a, he's only 6'2", but he, he'll chase down the block. I mean, he'll go up and dunk on you. Um, but the game for him has slowed down, and, and his experience now is going to show that you'll see him play with better pace. Uh, he's more confident shooting a three ball, which, again, his freshman year, he, he didn't even think about shooting threes. Uh, and he understands how to sometimes pass up a decent shot for a better one for a teammate, especially early in the game. Bryce Williams' game uh, – Bryce Thompson, I'm sorry – Bryce Thompson's game has been that mid-range, that really good at that mid-range shot. Does does that throw it back to to your day? I mean, that was more of the people getting the mid-range, that Michael Jordan shot. Is that kind of a throwback? Yeah, I mean, and and, and Bryce has been, you know, kind of you know, 
raised to be a, a great basketball player. You know, his dad was a great player at Tulsa uh, and ran a great AU program for a long time here in the state, helping a lot of young people. Uh, and so he's been around the game, and he learned that you don't necessarily always go with the numbers. You know, people say threes beat twos, but not if you're missing the threes, right? So you get to the shot that you can make consistently. He's become really, really efficient uh, in that 12 to 15 feet area. And so we encourage it. Uh, we still want him to, to take a bunch of threes when he's open, uh, but we certainly want him to take the most efficient shot that he can get as often as possible. When you talk about, I think comfortability is probably the the biggest point, at least for me, when you talk about Bryce Thompson and Musa. We'll start with Bryce. He was good last year at times, but, you know, you could see he was still trying to get used to the system, trying to get used to the, you know, playing for Oklahoma State. You know, you go to Kansas, doesn't work out. Uh, you probably, there's some, I don't want to say doubt or questions, but, you know, he was injured a lot up there, so what's the extent I can go? You saw that comfortability, you know, more and more throughout the year. You said he's probably had the best, one of the best summers you've seen of any player. You know, how comfortable is Bryce and how important is that this year? Well, Bryce played like there was pressure on him last year. You know, being the in-state kid, Mr. Basketball, go to Big Kansas, right? Not have the year people hoped he would have up there. Certainly not the year he hoped he had himself. Uh, and then to face the reality of having to leave that situation, and now the doubters start to really, really kind of rear their heads, saying, "I, I never, I never thought he was as good as they said he was." And, and as a kid who was you know, still young at 19 years old at the time, some of that stuff can get to you. What we tried to preach to him is, "You've always been good enough. You know, you just got to work through this, and eventually it'll turn for you." And he took it upon himself this summer to really just get back to really just focusing in on his his craft. Um, I think that him making the last shot of our season last year, the game-winning shot in the corner versus Texas Tech, uh, you know, kind of triggered his confidence to be a guy like, you know, I can carry this over. And, and there's certainly been a lot of momentum carried from him into the offseason in terms of swagger and confidence going back on the court. And then you look at Musa. You know, you, you said something yesterday that kind of coincided with what he said, but um, you look at Musa's journey, you know, this is the first time at least uh, since high school that he's been at two places or the same place for two years in a row. Um probably younger than most people in his shoes. Um, you know, he mentioned how he went to New York and came back earlier than he would have this summer because it just didn't feel like there was something, you know, enough there for him. And then what you said I th- really stuck with me is that, you know, he feels like people aren't going to use him. You know, it's it's a family, you know, yeah, you're, you were a five-star. You're this highly touted, highly incredibly athletic. If you play well, great. If not, you're still Musa. You're you're still one of us. You're still family member. Comfortability for Musa almost seems like a bigger deal for than it than it is with Bryce. Yeah, I mean, you know, and I don't. I say this because I really believe it. I think he's going to have a monster year for us, um, and that's coming off being defensive player of the year in the league last year, leading the league in blocks after leading another conference in blocks. So he's been a he's been the best shot blocker in two different conferences. One as an 18 year old, one as a 19 year old. And now as a 20-year-old in a system he's totally comfortable in, with people he's totally comfortable with, uh, there is no trying to figure it out for him. He just gets to go out there and play freely and confident and fun. And um, you know, I'm, I'm thrilled he's with us uh, because the combination of him and Caleb Boone, both anchoring our defense uh, in the paint, is going to give us a lot of chances to win on a nightly basis. How do you coach somebody who has such an instinct to block, to leave the feet, to, to get that big block – but to keep them grounded and to keep them on their guy. How do you, how do you coach that? Yeah, I mean, there's a fine line there, right, because what he does best is intimidate guys around the rim. 
But smart players, really good coaches will find a way to try to use that against them, right? Whether it be using shot fakes or telling guys to try to drive right into them or pulling them away from the basket in some instances. And so we've got to continue to show film of him when those things happen, how they look. Uh, because, again, to, to Zach's question earlier, there's still a language barrier he's trying to overcome. Right? He came here at 13 years old, not knowing the language and really not really knowing the sport. He was mostly a soccer player growing up. And so there's still a lot of learning curve for Musa, which is really, really um, you know, encouraging for our program. But at the same time, to your question, we got to let him be who he is when he's his best, but also try to teach him along the way how to be better. You ever have to tell him in practice, hey, man, stop blocking everybody's shots. We got to get some confidence. We got to get Bryce. better. We gotta... <laughs> nope, nope, never. <laughs> That's all in there, man. We want him to feel like he's the best shot blocking, defensive playing, paint player that there is in America. And, you know, what What, what it helps is our, our offenses get better because we have to go against a really good defense team every day in practice. And so by nature, even though it's a struggle sometimes, it gives them a chance to grow. Do you like seeing – do you like checking Instagram in the middle of the summer and seeing Musa hit from, from 35, 40 feet out there? Not for, necessarily. For three minutes. Great. <laughs> <laughs> now, I do admire that he wants to expand his game. I don't want him to get sidetracked, right, and start thinking that that's where the game is going to go for him. Uh, you may see him shoot a jump shot or two. What I tell him is a kid who shot 32% from the free throw line as a freshman – and only maybe in the high 50s last year, shouldn't worry about shooting threes as much as getting to the 75 to 80% range from the free throw line first. Yeah, and that's I asked him about that. That was like the I think the first thing I asked him was about that video, and I was like, "Are you going to try to implement threes? Because that's that's the way the big man game is going nowadays." Sure. And he said, "If it's there, but my focus is, you know, I, I said free throw in, or and he said pretty much. I mean, and that's and that's important." Moose is still going to score most of his points dunking the basketball. Absolutely. <laughs> and and um, he's good at it. We have guys who understand how to play with him. Uh, to the point about John Michael and Caleb Asbury, they haven't played with a guy like him before, so that's taken a little bit of adjustment. But Avery and Bryce, they're used to it. I mean, sometimes that's one day. Did you even look before you threw that ball? They just know. If they get it close and he can get off the ground, no one else can get to the basketball. Who's the best alley-oop passer on the team? Wow, I would say probably probably Avery right that right now. Because there's not a lot of things that get Gallagher Iba going like a great alley oop. Yeah. Absolutely, going back to the Markel Brown Keaton Page combination, and probably long before that when when Doug Gottlieb was throwing him to Desmond Mason. So oh, yeah. uh, it's been a lot of lives thrown at GIA. We know how good Musa can be, and I, I think for me, one of the biggest questions that I, at least I have personally is Caleb. You know, he, he was really solid as a, as a freshman and sophomore and, and struggled a little bit like most young guys do. But this past year, and he hit on it early in the season, mentally he just wasn't there. You know, we've we've talked to him and we've talked to you about it, but where has Caleb's growth been this year and can he get back to that confident guy down low? Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, kind of to the question just prior to this, he's a guy we have asked to change his game a little bit. Um, we believe that the best way to play with this particular roster – is to have him and Musa on the court as much as we can together, uh, which means one of them offensively probably has to leave the paint area uh, so that the other one can operate. So he's he really has worked on his touch from the three-point line, and, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him shoot one a game or maybe two um, if it's there. We're not necessarily running off staggers and running plays for him like we did with Dezago and Waters, uh, but like the end of Cam McGriff's career where he was confident shooting it as a trail spot on a rebound, um, we can see that a lot. Still, his best offensive production is going to be, especially from the four position, going inside and playing against you know leaner, 
power forwards or even sometimes when teams play four guards, we don't believe that many five men can guard them inside. Certainly if you're putting a guard or a small forward on them, we feel like we really have to take advantage of that. Talk about forwards. Tyreek really came on strong towards the end of the year. I, I don't know if he could be an X-factor type of guy, but but is there a chance that he you know kind of surprises some teams and maybe not necessarily shows up as much on the scouting reports early in the year? Yeah, no, Tyreek's going to have a big, big role for us this year. I mean, he's a guy with those two guys starting that um, that could come in and sub for either spot and, and still find a way to be impactful. He may be the best overall athlete on our team. Um, he's built low to the ground. He's got a strong body. He's got great feet, good hands. Uh, and when he just lets his hair down and goes and plays and attacks the glass, I mean, he is relentless as an offensive rebounder. He runs the floor really well. He can protect the rim. Uh, play sticks out in my mind. We win the TCU game because mm-hmm. he chases down a guy at the end of the game there uh, when it was right there in balance uh, and, and really saves it defensively for us. So he's got great potential, and I expect him to have a, a great, great uh, impact on what we do. What could Chris Harris, what could the best of Chris Harris look like? Yeah, that's a question, and I don't want to create um, unrealistic expectations because he really hasn't played in – Really much of his time here. You know, he played a little bit as a freshman, and then he's been injured for two consecutive years. What we know about Chris is he's, in, he's highly intelligent. Uh, because he hasn't played as much, he's really watched a lot of our basketball. He knows our system inside out on both ends of the court, and we need him to be a stabilizing force. You know, uh, Somebody who comes off the bench if we need, can make a shot, can get us an offense. If teams are being really aggressive with – you know, Avery and Bryce, for instance, if John Michael may be in foul trouble, that can spell us and give us some really, really good spot minutes. And then as, that'll be early, and we'll see how he does with that. Maybe that role grows as the season goes along. How does and I know you've got a you've got some stuff you got to take care of here in about five minutes. Um, how does conference realignment or conference expansion impact? Because we all it's a football question, you know, but it doesn't just impact or affect football. So how does how does conference expansion realignment affect? Oklahoma State basketball. Well, right now, in the way it's expanding, it makes my job harder. <laughs> I mean, no disrespect to the teams we're losing, um, but Houston has been as good as anybody in the country, and I would argue better than both of those teams here recently uh, with a Final Four run and a run to the Sweet 16 last year. Um, Cincinnati's historically been a really, really strong basketball program, going back to you know Coach Huggins when he was there and had Kenya Martin. They were the number one team in the country. Uh, Central Florida recently has had success. Uh, with Taco Fall and those guys mm-hmm. almost beating Duke in the tournament. And then, uh, you know, BYU, who I've never been to Provo, but I've heard that you can't find a better environment for a basketball game than trying to go in there and win because they sell it out every night. You're going to play against guys who are, have been removed from high school for four or five years maybe in some cases because they go on their missions and don't start until they're 21. They got families. And so they have a different kind of maturity in the way they play. So it's a great challenge for us to, to, to make sure that we continue to recruit good enough athletes um, that can compete, but also keep the experience level high enough that we don't have a, a complete fall off in terms of guys being ready to play college basketball. And then when you look at when you look at, you know, President Shrum and you look at you look at Chad Weiberg, we're a little more than a year removed from their taking over. I know you worked with Chad before, but but how's that relationship been over the last year and a half and with their new roles? Yeah, we've got phenomenal leadership here. Uh at OSU, and I can't, I can't imagine a better time, you know, other than when Coach Sutton was hanging banners around here, uh, and, and we need to get back to that. A better time to come to Stillwater, you know, 
in those mid nineties to early two thousands. I think we're heading back in that direction. And and it starts with great leadership. It starts with a president who understands the value of athletics. It starts with an athletic director who understands that you know providing resources to your coaches and athletes is really the only way to give them a chance to compete. And then guys like myself going out and recruiting guys, you know, who want to come in here and help Oklahoma State become a nationally prominent program again. So everybody being in alignment, um, not realignment, but in alignment, you know, gives you a chance to have success. And when you look at across the country, that's where the most successful athletic programs come. You got an athletic director, a president who really, really get it. Uh, it's not just uh, here's uh, small talk to say that athletics is the front porch of the university. No, there's a lot of people that come here and their first association with this university is their experience with an athletic event or their parents used to come to games or they've been season ticket holders. And so this this is kind of the gateway to it and that we have a president who understands that is a huge, huge deal. And both both facilities, Calgariba and Boone Pickens, really show up well on TV whenever uh, the crowd is always loud. You can hear the crowd on TV. It's not a distant crowd. They're right there on top of you. Whenever When you're coaching – can you hear that crowd towards the end of the game chanting out of a big win? Can you hear them chanting for the walk-ons to come in? Yeah, I mean, you certainly can hear them in those situations. But honestly, I don't hear the fans as much. I'm usually locked in in the game. I'll tell you what, though. Having been around basketball, I feel it. There's a, there's a feeling when you are in a great basketball environment during a game that's really unlike anything else I've ever experienced, which is why I love the game so much. Uh, and I especially love the, the understanding of the game that our fans have. Uh, their knowledge of what good basketball looks like, uh, their commitment to watching us continue to try to rebuild this thing to where there's consistent success. I want it to be where we have classes of kids come through this university and never watch us lose here at home. That's what I want it to be like. Uh, and we haven't had that in a while, and that's what we'll continue to strive to. Uh, last last couple of questions. Last one for me anyway. Um, and I think both of them are going to be pretty similar with what you know now, everything you've been through here at Oklahoma State, you know, Stephen F., when you go back to South Carolina, everything that Mike Boynton knows now, what would you tell 18-year-old fresh into college, Mike Boynton? I'd say get over yourself a little quicker. Um, you know, I, t- I shared this with our team. I, I wasn't outwardly arrogant, but I was probably overly confident uh, as a young person. Um, not that I don't want people to be aspirational, but you got to understand it's not about you. The sooner you can figure out that it's not about you, that it's about the people you do, whatever it is you do with, uh, the the more enjoyment you'll have doing what you're doing, probably then you'll probably get where you want to go faster. Uh, and a long way, you'll build great relationships. And so I think as I've matured, I've gotten a much greater value on the people that I'm able to do what I do with, starting with my family, but certainly with my staff as well. When did the shoe game become as strong as it is? Because every time you go out, well, so every time you go out recruiting, but we get those recruiting. Check, and were you proud of Coach Hoyt with her first shoe game pick? Very proud of her. She, um, you know, this is maybe a little bit of a uh, kind of counter to my last. Co- I take a lot of pride in having a strong shoe game. Um, but it started when I was a young kid. My mom actually worked in a sporting goods store uh, back in New York City, and was fortunate we didn't have a lot of money, but every now and then she'd surprise me. She'd save up and maybe put a pair of shoes on layaway and surprise me with something that was fairly exclusive. And I've just loved it ever since, and I've always tried to stay ahead of the game on things that are coming out. Um, and so now it's kind of a part of the brand here, uh, that there's a coach there that, that, that understands the shoes and, and the kids uh, that come on visits, they always want to see what I, what I wear when we're taking photos and stuff like that. So 
I take pride in it, making sure that uh, that we don't get too far behind in that area. Mike, I appreciate your time, and uh, I'll probably talk to you uh, here in the next couple of weeks. I know you're going to be in Kansas City. Any surprises that, that you anticipate for Kansas City or just kind of business as usual? No, nah, the biggest question is, are we going back to suits? And I hope we're not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't well, blame I, you. So Media Poll did come out today, yeah, that's um, true. and Oklahoma State was right in the middle. To me, that shows people don't know a lot about I mean, they know about the starters, but it, you know, it's a whole team thing. They don't know a lot about. You can kind of slide a little under the radar and sneak up on some people. Yeah, but I, it also shows the strength of this league. You know, I, I didn't even look at the poll yet. Uh, I would guess, just based on history, Kansas Baylor, right, somewhere at the top. They've proven it. They've succeeded here recently. Uh, so to be right there in the middle means that you know people think we'll we'll be competitive in the league. Uh, but our goal isn't to be competitive in the league. We want to we want to compete for the championship. We want to have an opportunity to to share our fans, share with our fans the championship at some point soon, and hope hopefully this team takes the steps towards that. Thank you very much for your time. Absolutely. Thank you guys.